0: And I have a question for you. I've, I, Pastor Bertie, I really enjoy teaching at Olivet. Um, and I enjoy, I just love the interaction of the class. And I, I don't always make it easy on my students. Sometimes I ask them tough questions. And so I was thinking this morning as we were worshiping, I was just thinking, you know, maybe I should ask you a tough question. Something like this. What's God been saying to you? What's he been speaking to your heart? Are you taking time to hear from God? I know about busy. I know about busy. I live busy way too much. My question isn't, are you busy? It's not the question of God, is it, Pastor? The question is, are we hearing from the Lord? Are we so immersed by his presence that we just slosh water all over the place, the presence of the living God? See, I know it's, is it still snowing outside? It's done snowing? For now. Thank you, somebody. The eternal optimist among us. (laughs) Uh, I hope that today we can focus way past the snow and the, it is March, right? It's March? Okay. Just want to make sure. Past, way past the fact that it's snowing in March and way past the difficulty of getting to church today and the the difficulty of getting home. I pray that we can just look way past that and just hear from God today. Okay. I'd like to pray for us before we begin. Father, we stand before you this morning I thank you for worship. I thank you that we have a place like this that we can come to and we can be warm and comforted, but it's more than just the 70-whatever degrees in the sanctuary. It's, we are warmed and comforted by your presence. And Father, today I pray that we can hear from you. I know that you know each of us so intimately. You know exactly what's going on in each of our lives. You know those places of discouragement or frustration or anxiety. You know the places of absolute delight and joy. It is so fun to see. This young man's mom and dad just rejoicing in his expression of faith in you this morning. I pray, Father, that exactly where we are this morning, I pray that you'll meet each of us right there. It's amazing to us. It's amazing to me that you do that. You don't expect us to get to some certain level and then, okay, now I'll talk to you. Right where you are, you talk to us. And so, Father, we invite you to speak to us this morning Allow us to hear from you. Father, I pray that you will hide me behind the cross. We really don't need to hear from a man today. We need to hear from you. We need your spirit to invade and penetrate in places that maybe haven't been touched for some days. Father, we thank you for your word. May your words speak to our hearts. For I pray in Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> it's good to be home. Don't tell your dad I said that, Pastor Brady. We're we're going to be joining. We are joining, Pastor Brady's uh, dad's church in South Lake, which is just west of Valparaiso. I'm going on staff there. I'm on staff, but I'm still work, serving at that as well. But it's good to be home. It's good to see so many familiar faces. And if, you, if, if I know you, I'm going to raise my hand if I know you. And if you know me, raise your hand if you know me. Awesome. Thank you. I love you. If you don't know me and I don't know you, please raise your hand. Awesome. I love you too. I, I know there's so many new people here and that's so exciting to me. I just want you to know a little bit about us. We have, the Lord has given us amazing opportunities to serve for 27 years overseas in missionary assignments and in the pastorate and now in a teaching role. And it's just been our delight to, to, to walk faith uh, with people of so many other cultures and places. And this morning I want to I talk about, about faith. I, am, I have three classes that I'm teaching at Olivet. Excuse me. I'm sorry if I'm doing something wrong. We don't use these in a lot of places that I've served, guys, so come down and slap me after the service if I've really messed this thing up. Um, I'm serving at Olivet Nazarene University. I have three night classes. I love 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock classes. Okay, that's, that's really bad. I love 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock classes. Anybody here ready for that? 6 o'clock tonight? Yes, I, got, I have one taker. Adults? I have one back there. Thank you. I'll meet you tonight here at 6 o'clock. No, no. Wednesday, okay. I love cl- classes with the students. And I love how this generation is so transparent. I mean, they will tell you, if you give them an opportunity, they will tell you what's going on. I love that. I have a student that just wrote in his, this in his paper. And it really stopped me in my tracks. And I've really been chewing on this one, okay? This is what he said. He said, in regards to my faith, I am currently in between places that are easily definable and I- inexplainable. And then he said this. I have belief but not faith right now. I have belief, but not faith right now. You see, I went back and I reread his paper, and I believe from the context of his paper, I believe this is what he's trying to say. I believe he's saying that I believe in God, and I believe in the work of his son Jesus, and I believe that I've accepted Jesus as my personal Savior, but I'm not sure how this all works out in my life. And quite honestly, I'm, I'm going to speak for your generation if I can just momentarily, guys and gals, okay? What I'm sensing from this generation, I talked to some students in class this week. A number of my students were like, I would like to know just a little bit more of what God wants from me. I would like to know just, I'd like to have just a little more revelation. Almost like they're saying, and I, so I clarified it. I said, do you mean like you'd like a little more light, like you'd like to see around the corner or the curve a little bit? And they said, exactly. You see, I believe that this generation is a generation that God is raising up, not just to be transparent. They are a generation that God is raising up that really, really, really wants to know God and really wants to follow him. You see, faith, as I perceive it, I know what Hebrews says, but here's my rendition, okay? Okay? Faith in God is what I say and what I think and my attitudes and my actions based upon who I understand God to be. Okay? Faith is all of what I am and how I function based upon who I understand God to be. So you see, our faith can be, it can be expressed in very large or very small ways and I believe that that reflects who we understand God to be. As I've read and reread this particular paper from this particular student, and we are planning to meet soon, I believe that he's at a place in his life where it's time for him to, to step out of the boat. It's time for him to take some form of a step, of a gesture, not just toward God, but toward what God is ready and willing and capable of doing. My reference for that that this morning is a reference, I love this passage, it's found in Matthew chapter 14. I'd invite you to turn with me in your Bibles, whatever form of Bible you have this morning, turn with, with me to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. It's a story of Peter walking on the water. Now, the really fun thing about this passage is is that this passage, most of it, is found in the book of Mark, and most of it is found in the book of John. But Mark and John don't tell us all that Matthew tells us. Mark and John don't talk about Peter getting out of the boat. They talk about Jesus coming and the fear of the disciples, but they don't tell us about Peter being so bold that he got out of the boat. And I love it that Matthew tells us not just that Jesus walked on the water. I mean, that's incredible. And not just that Jesus said, yeah, it's me, it's not a ghost, and he comforts them. Not just that. But he tells us that this dude named Peter walked out of, got out of the boat and walked on the water. Now, I think that's totally cool. I've, anybody here ever walked on the water? Tim Flitt, you ever done that? No? You serious? Anybody walked on the water? No, I don't mean ice. I don't mean frozen water. We've done plenty of that. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 14, starting with verse 25. It starts this way. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost. They cried out in fear. Now, this actually refers to some cultural perceptions that the people had in those days. And so what they're saying is not necessarily obscure, or unusual for their culture. They said, it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Now, here comes Peter, and this is the part that the other gospel writers don't include. Here comes Peter. He says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. I love that. Now, it's just a four-letter word. I know that. It's just the word come, but I love that. Because I believe that often God is saying to us, come on. Come on over here. Come on out here. Let's see. Let's see what you've got. I want to see your faith explored to its furthest limit. I want to give you that invitation, but I want to give you the strength and the courage to come. And that's what Jesus said to Peter. Come. And it says this. It says, Peter got out of the boat. He walked on the water and he came toward Jesus. There's a part of me that kind of wishes Matthew would have stopped there. But it says this. And I love that the scriptures tell the whole story. But when he, that is Peter, saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now when you read this passage just a little bit further, you see that Jesus actually rebukes Peter for his lack of faith. But you know, Peter's lack of faith was not in... Talking to God and talking to Jesus, when he said, Lord, if it is you, call to me and I will come to you. That wasn't his lack of faith. Peter's lack of faith was not getting out of the boat, Peter's lack of faith was not walking on the water. Peter's lack of faith was when Peter looked at his circumstances. And I'm here to, to, this morning to tell you that way too often we look at our circumstances. We limit God when we look at our circumstances. Well, I don't have that capacity, and so I don't believe God's calling me to do that. Well, I'm of this age, and I just can't do what I used to do, so I don't believe God's telling me to do that. See, God tells us that we can rely upon him, that every one of his scriptures, every one of his promises are true. And as best as I can tell, Pastor, it's not just one from the age of 14 to 42. As best as I can tell, they're as long as we are walking with God on this earth. Those scriptures, those, those promises are all good. They're all for us. You see, when Jesus said, Peter, your faith. What happened? Jesus was not talking about all the things he, that Peter did right. He talked about when Peter looked at his circumstances. Because it was when he looked at the wind, it says, or the impact of the wind, that Peter began to sink. Now, we can easily look at Peter and say something like this. You silly boy. You silly boy. What is your problem? It is Jesus, right? It is Jesus. What is your problem? But we can also look back at the boat and we can see the 11 men. And as best as I can tell, these 11 other apostles are in the boat still trying to decide if this is Jesus or a ghost. Now, maybe they're not, but the scripture doesn't tell us that they resolved that, does it? It simply tells us that Peter says, Jesus, if it's you... Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you and I'm going to come. And here are the 11 men in the boat still. Now, I know about boats. I've been in a number of boats. I haven't always felt safe in boats. But I know this, and I have a story to share with you toward the end of the service. I know this, when you're out on some pretty deep water, being in a boat is a whole lot better than not. I believe that God calls each of us to be like Peter. Hear me carefully. Not in looking at our circumstances. Not in saying, oh my goodness, look at those wind and those waves. Not in saying, oh my goodness, it's snowing again. It is. But in saying, Jesus, if it it's you, tell me to come to you and I'll come to you. God, if that's, if that's your word to me, tell me it's your word to me and I will do what you tell me to do. God, if if there's something you want me to do, show me some light on that. I'm not asking you to show me all of it. I'm asking you to show me just enough light so I can take one step in, in faith and just enough light so I can take another step in faith and just enough light so I can take another step in faith so I can do exactly what you have called me to do. You see, faith, if it's faith, it never looks at the composite of our circumstances. It never goes there. It looks simply at the heart of a loving God whose word and will and hope and prayers are for us. What Peter emulated in this passage is what I call blank check living. Blank check living. Now I know some of you, and I'm going to put a couple of you on the spot if that's okay. Ash, have you ever written to anybody a blank check? You know what a blank check is? You wouldn't do that, would you? Are you sure? What about your wife? Answer carefully. She has no access. Okay. Okay, we'll pray for you. It's going to be a difficult Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Terry Wright, love you, brother. Terry, have you ever written anybody a blank check? Nobody? Tim Foote, right behind him. Tim, how about a blank check? <laughs> he simply laughs you see we're not accustomed to writing blank checks and fairly so i have never i love my dad he's right down here the fourth row back i love my dad he's done a lot of things for me he's a great man of god but my dad has never written me a blank check you see what peter did when he got out of that boat was he wrote a blank check to god it's not typical for people to get out of the boat stepping out on the water it's not normal but he said, you know what, Jesus, I believe in your power and I believe in your authority. I believe in that you are the Son of God. Peter, remember, will be the one, the only one of the disciples that will say of Jesus when he says, who do people say I am? Who do you say I am? Peter is the only one that will say, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. He's the only one that will say that. During the earthly ministry of Jesus, it's recorded. Peter said, you know what? I don't know where this goes, but I'm stepping out. It's what I call blank check living. And although we're very uncomfortable, rightly so, although my father could probably have entrusted me with a blank check. But anyhow, we'll let that go, Dad. Although it's rightly so that we do not write each other people blank checks, I believe that God's call in our lives is to live our lives in such a way that we are frequently writing to God a blank check. I have had a a number of opportunities to do that in my life. And I'm sure I'll have some more. Those checks where I just write it, God or Yahweh or Jehovah, and I just sign it off. And in the memo, I put in something like this. I know I can trust you. Or something like this. I will do whatever you ask. Or maybe something like this. I will follow. See, I believe that all of worship, if it's true worship, and this is beautiful, I love this today, but if it's true worship, it's a blank check. It's worth saying to God, God, you know I'm I'm here. I'm all in. Whatever you want from me, I'm I'm in. I just want you to know I'm in. In advance, Pastor Brady, like you said earlier, in advance, I'm in. See, faith if it's if it's really faith in God, it doesn't refer to this circumstances or the composite of the circumstances. It doesn't look at. Who we are, what what our capabilities are, what our limitations are. It's not based upon our successes. It's based purely upon the heart of a loving God and how we understand that loving heart. Faith is not based upon our balance sheet (laughs) or even the list of opportunities. It gazes just at the heart of a loving God and it says, I'm in whatever that means, I'm in. I prayed that prayer right there, Pastor Brady, at an altar here and also at Lake Avenue, right there. Well, we've served the people of Papua New Guinea and the Philippines and more recently Haiti. And we just recently looked through a bunch of pictures as Laura was getting ready for working with the kids at the Children's Church in this hour. And we were looking through pictures, and it was amazing. The thoughts, the memories of living life and faith with people of other cultures. Just what a wealth of experiences. But the reality is um, those are other days and these are these days. And it's and true for each of us. We can all say, oh, I remember back in those days when those things were happening. It was great and good and God was working. And that's great and that's awesome. But God doesn't just want that to be there and then. It wants, he wants it to be here and now. He wants me today to say, Father, I'm in. I'm all in. Whatever that means, whatever that looks like. He wants me today to be writing a blank check. And please hear me clearly about this. I'm not just talking about a checking account. I'm talking about the blank check of our lives, of our allegiances, of our priorities, of our hopes, of our dreams. God, I'm in. I'm all in. I want to stop right there and just ask you a question. It's a question that I often ask myself. It's a question that goes like this. Am I being God's agent of healing and hope? Or in what way am I being God's agent of hope or change? I think it's a pretty good question to be asking ourselves frequently. Am I going there? Not just am I a consumer of God's love or of the grace of God, but am I being the agent that God has called me to be? Haiti, and there are some people here that have been in Haiti. They came on a working witness team with us. Haiti is, a, is an amazing place. Dave Musselman, do you remember when you guys left some checks mixed like this? Remember that? The Grace Point working witness team came to Haiti while we were there, and we had a, just such a great time. But when they left, they left a couple of things with us, and one thing they left up like a box of food. I mean, we didn't really, yeah, we, we loved having the food. And so we were slowly, you know, on the mission field, you slowly go through things like this because when it's done, it's done. You're not going to replace it. And so we were slowly going through it, but our middle daughter, Laura, who's speaking with the children even as we speak, um, the Lord just began to work in her heart and and said to her, Laura, I have something I want you to do. And so Laura was seeking the Lord's heart, and she came to me one, one evening, and she said, Dad, I think God wants me to teach in a school uh, there are schools in Port-au-Prince, and she said, I, want, I think God wants me to go and teach these kids English. And, and they were kids that we knew. They were kids from the tent city, kids that were really struggling, but kids that had the opportunity to go to school. They were so excited that they could be in school. And so Laura said, Dad, I, I want to go to this school. I want to see if I can help. And so Laura organized her final year of senior year of high school so that she could go spend half a day, three days a week at this school and teach them English. And as she started in that process, and it was amazing to watch these kids and how they connected with Laura. As she started in the process, one day she came to me and she said, Dad, can you, can you come pick me up a little bit earlier? Because she said, I don't want to have lunch at my school and have my stomach full and then go teach my kids who are all hungry. She said, at the, at the school that I'm teaching at, they all, they all eat at the end of the day. And eating is rice and beans. And for parents, some of your kids are going to get rice and beans today. Um, but lunch for them was like at 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, rice and beans. And so, Dad, I'd rather, I'd rather wait and then eat with them, and fair enough. So Laura's pretty petite. She doesn't have much body fat on her, and she was doing this thing. And finally, she said one day, she said, Dad, I'm so hungry. Can you bring me the snack? And so Dave and Lynn, we started putting these in the, 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 the uh, Land Cruiser. And so when I would go and pick up Laura, sometimes she'd say, No, nope, I'm not going to eat anything. I want to feel just like my kids feel. But someday she's like, Dad, I am so hungry. And so she'd eat a little bit of Chex Mix. And one day, she got in the car. She ate about a half a bag of Chex, bag of Chex Mix, just like this. And we headed down the road, and I dropped her off at school. Now, in, in Haiti, there are people just all over on the roads, and goats and dogs and sometimes cows. And if you're not careful, the people can be just become part of the landscape. Well, I'm driving down the road, and it's not in good shape. And I'm kind of jostling back and forth, making my way back to the seminary. And all of a sudden, God said, look to your left. And I look to my left, and there's a Haitian guy who's walking the same way that I'm driving. And he goes like this, and then he goes like that. And that's a Haitian way of saying, I'm hungry. Do you have anything for me? And I was like, dude, I got nothing. And I got about 25 yards down the road, and all of a sudden, God's Spirit said, you have something. I'm like what? So I pulled over and think, oh, maybe Lord didn't, I didn't know how much she'd eaten. I reached over and I pulled it up, and there's like half a bag, maybe a third or half a bag of Chex Mix left. And so I thought, well, I, I guess I can give him that. So I parked the vehicle and headed over to where he was, and he's just standing there, looking at me like, what's going on? Now, I learned something in Haiti, and this, of course, is what I do only with men, but that's, it's this. Um, the way that, you know, the way the body works when a body is malnourished is first, of course, it will eliminate any fat cells, but then it will start to break down muscle mass. OK. And so what I could find with with men and with young guys is I could. But oh, am, am, did I just go past the four row? I'm so sorry. He told me not past the four row. OK, I'll stay right here. One, two, three, four. OK, we're good. We OK. I'm so sorry. you can slap me later. What I found was with, with men, I could tell how they were doing just health-wise by how, how they were doing in their muscle mass in their shoulders. Dad, you're doing all right. You're in good shape. I got some snow to shovel over in Bourbonnet this afternoon. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I stopped this and talked to this guy, and I felt his shoulder, and there was nothing there but bone. There's just so much of that. So I took this half a bag of Chex Mix and I put it in his hands and I said, "Sapu," means it's for you. And he took this half a bag of Chex Mix and he looked up and he goes, Merci means thank you very much. But he didn't say it to me. He said it to God. And initially I was like, uh, yes. See, it wasn't me delivering half a bag of Chex Mix. It was God answering his prayer. I just happened to be the guy that was driving around down the road that had a half a bag of Chex Mix that could help in that process. But it was really God answering this, this man's prayer. And it was, it was a prayer of desperation. And the Lord stopped me in my tracks. Okay. You see, I've been in a lot of places uh, and seen a lot of worship, and I worship here was beautiful. Edgar, thank you so much. It's just praise team. Uh, I just I love worship here. But God just stopped me in my tracks, and He said, "Do you know what you have just seen?" And then I realized I had just seen the purest form of worship I will probably ever experience. You see, I think think sometimes we feel like um, all these different components need to happen. And sometimes I almost feel like we raise the bar with God and with each other about what we expect to happen. Maybe it's part of our consumeristic mentality. I don't know exactly where it it originates from, but sometimes I feel like we just expect so much. And, you know, I had a young girl. Her name is Carmel. She's in one of my Christian faith classes. And just the other night, we were talking in Creole, and then I asked who would pray. And she said, I'll pray. She prayed in English. I was glad she did. But she said, God, thank you that our legs or our bones, she said, thank you that our bones haven't been broken with the snow and the ice. And I'm like, yes, that's, that's true. Why is it we feel like, well, I've got this and this and this, so now it needs to be this? And almost as if we feel like we have the authority to raise the bar with God. He said, I had experience through that man the purest form of worship, the form of worship that said, God, I really need you to do something here. I really need your intervention. And when it happened, he didn't just look at the conduit and say, thank you. <laughs> he looked at God and said, thank you. I love that. I want to show you a video, um, and you're going to see a lot of images of uh, Haitians, in, and you're going to see some maybe some difficult images. But at the end, there's a video clip, and I want you to see what God's doing there. At the end, there's a video clip of some kids dancing, and I want you to just kind of take that in, and I'll tell you why they were dancing. Okay? Let's take a look at that together. The kids are, the kids are dancing at the end because they're going to get to eat. <laughs> they're from a tent city. Um, my heaven help them. And at the feeding program that we were a part of, they get to eat three times a week. Rice and beans. They were dancing before the Lord and they were singing worship songs. You couldn't hear it because they were in Creole and we overlaid an English song over it, but they were dancing and praising God because He was giving them food. You see, faith requires of us something. It requires us to look beyond ourselves. It changes our focus, it changes our purpose. Changes our perceptions. It takes us from point A to point B. It, it requires something of us. And what we've seen in Papua New Guinea and the Philippines and Haiti and other places where we have served is that God uses the faithfulness of His people in a multitude of ways to invade brokenness. I mean, I've, I've been to places that people call hell on earth. And I've seen God change that. And he's in the process of changing that now. You see, in an amazing way that God works, he doesn't just say he could. He could just invade it with angels and just change it, right, Pastor? He could do that. But his choice is this. He chooses to work through his obedient children. Hmm. I've got one more story I've got to share. Can I, can I share this one, Pastor? Okay. It's, um, it's a story I haven't shared with too many people. It's, it's, it's just a really personal story. But I want to share it with you because you're my church family. Um, <clears throat> There's a church that we were working with and our kids were in Haiti and our kids were um, involved in the teen group there and, and uh, they would periodically have a big event and they'd have about 160 kids just from all over the place come, come in and a lot of kids from the tent city. And they had planned a teen retreat, a youth retreat for the kids. Most of the, a number of the kids, probably more than 70 or 80% of the kids had never been outside of Port-au-Prince. So the pictures that you saw, of the rubble and the gray and the brokenness and the, and the dust and the, all that, that's, that was pretty much their reality. That's pretty much all they knew. And uh, But the church had decided they were going to do this youth trip. They did it once every year and they were going to take a bunch of kids. And so a bunch of kids were sponsored to go. And just before they were going to have this event, they had a little bit of a leadership crisis, and so they asked Janelle and I to plug into it. We asked our kids, and they were like, we would love for you to be a part of that. Kids, if you ever want to bless your parents, invite them to be a part of your team function. I know, it's out there. Anyhow, our kids, <laughs> said, our kids said, we would love for you to be a part of it. And we prayed about it, and the Lord said, I want you there. So we went, knowing having no real idea what was going to take place there. We got there early so we could put Bible verses on everybody's pillows. And the kids, they came in a bus, and as they, there was a bus and a couple of vehicles. But as the bus pulled in, they pulled in this way, and it was right on the coast. And we had never seen anything this beautiful in Haiti ourselves. But it was like, here's this, these accommodations, and, uh, and then a bluff, and then a road, and then a beach, and the ocean, the Caribbean. And it was gorgeous. When Janelle and I got there, we were like, oh, this is beautiful. But for these kids, many of which had never been out of Port-au-Prince, when they came out the emergency exit they had them come out the back of the bus. Kind of maximum impact thing, I think. When they had them come out of the back of the bus, they were like, oh, they were just blown away. There were some kids that said to us, I didn't know there was anything like this in my country. You see, the reality that they knew was very confining. Very restricted. And so as much as we tried to control the kids and get them set up in their accommodations, they just wanted to get to the ocean. Probably some teens are going to be like that in spring break. If you get to go to the ocean, you're going to be like, I don't care what it looks like, give me the ocean. They just want to get to the ocean. And so we couldn't control them. They were just, boom, they were, they were in mass. They were flooding toward the ocean. So we changed very quickly, got down there, got out in the water. Janelle got knocked over a couple of times. It wasn't funny, Janelle. It wasn't funny. Janelle got knocked over a couple of times by the ocean, and so she stayed up shallow, so I went out deeper, and there was another, another youth leader out there, and we were just kind of bobbing in the waves. In fact, we had just said, isn't this fun when a big wave came over, and when we came back up, there were two Haitian boys past us out in deeper water, and they're kind of doing this thing, and I was like, wow, they're really having fun. And Katie said, I'm going to go check on them. She's a lifeguard. So she said, I'm going to go check on them. So she, she, it was, they were maybe about eight, ten yards away. I don't know where they came from. Just one wave and all of a sudden they were out. So Katie went out to them and she turned around and she she said to me, she said, they're drowning. Well, what had gone very quickly from, isn't this fun, to they're drowning very, very quickly. So I swam out to them and I said I stretched we were no longer touching bottom there was there was I had no idea how far bottom was. So I said to Katie are you okay? And she thought I meant are you okay for me to take the boys in and then come back and get you. I actually meant are you okay for me to take the boys in. And she said yes, I'm okay. So I started pulling these guys by their arms. And I don't I don't know these guys, right? I don't really know these boys. I've seen them in church and I know they're in the youth group and I, I know my kids know them, but I don't really know these guys. I know of them, but I don't know them. And so I'm pulling them along and I started this technique with them where I'd pull them along for a little way, a little while, and then I would turn around, take a couple of strokes, and I'd say, catch up to me, you know, to kind of keep them engaged. And then I would stretch and I'm so tall, and I couldn't touch the bottom of the ocean. And then I would yell for the people on the beach. The waves were coming in so rapidly, and I'll, I'll never quite understand this part of it. The waves were coming in so rapidly, this part I get, the waves were coming in so rapidly that nobody on the beach knew we had a problem. They all thought we were just having a great time out there, just having a party out in the water, When we were in the process of drowning, the part I won't understand is this. It went from a very um, casual, comfortable time, very, very rapidly, to being desperation. And it was almost as if the ocean was evil, if that makes any sense. It was like the ocean was angry. So I'm in this routine, right, with these two boys. And we're, I'm moving them along and trying to nudge, get them going with me towards shore. And they're beginning to become terrified. A wave swept over us. All of a sudden, there's another guy. I have no idea where he came from. And I'm recognizing that every time I turn back around and I look toward the shore and I yell toward the shore, we're getting further and further away from the shore no matter what we do. Now, I know about riptides, and I was looking for a riptide. I couldn't find anything that would tell me, this is something you can do to get out of this problem. The third guy's there. So I swim over to him, and just as I get to him, the thought comes to my mind, I know it's from God, the thought comes to my mind, he's going to push you down. So I took a quick, (gasps) and he pushed me down. Just arms and legs everywhere, you know. He's doing what is normal for a person when they're drowning. They're fighting to have control and to have breath. So he pushes me down. I come up, he pushes me down again. So I'm like, this isn't working. <laughs> it's amazing, the, the brilliant flashes of that you can have when you're who knows where in the ocean. So I pushed away, and I came up, and I said, you've got to follow me. Because I knew if I went down about three or four more times, I was done. You've got to follow me. So he started kind of following me. so now I've got three. All of a sudden, a fourth guy shows up. I have no idea how he got there, but now I've got four guys. And I'm like, Really? <laughs> <laughs> and the more I try, the more effort I put into it, the more I, deliberate I am in helping them. Even though I get the system misplaced, it's just not working. We're getting further and further. It, it was probably, it, it felt like 200 yards was probably more like 120. And then it felt like 100, then it was more like 130. It just, we were getting further and further from the beach. So I'm in this routine. Now I've got these four boys, one of who which had taken in a lot of salt water, and they're, they're starting to become more terrified These guys had never been in the ocean before. They'd never experienced anything like this. And they're terrified. And I'm watching as the lights in their eyes begins to darken. And I'm scared when I see that, right? And so I'm doing this routine, I'm pulling them along, and I'm taking a couple of strokes, and and then I stretch and nothing there. And then I'll yell for the shark. I did this over and over and over again. It felt like so long, and I don't think it was. What I know is this. I began to tire. And I also began to recognize that I was being confronted with the decision that I had to make. You see, I could see my wife and my daughter Laura and my daughter Sarah on the beach. And my daughter Joy is in Olivet. Every time I turned around to take a couple of strokes and to yell for the shore, I could see them there. And every time I turned back and grabbed these guys and pulled them along a little bit, I could see these four guys whose names I did not know. And I began to realize I was going to have to make A decision. I don't ever want to have to do this again. My wife and my daughter my daughter and my daughter and all of that are these four boys whose names I do not know. And so I began to pray for my wife and my kids and my family. And I began to say goodbye. Because I don't know if it was the right decision or not, but I felt like I knew that God was saying to me, take care of what's next to you, what's near you. And so I'm trying to encourage these guys along. And all of a sudden, a wave came over, knocked me. I I didn't know which way was up. It was just all water and bubbles and it was just crazy. And I barely popped above, didn't get a breath. Another wave took me down and I thought, this is about it. And I came up and I said, I'm looking at my family and then I looked back at the boys and I said, God, it looks like this is one more blank check. And the strangest thing happened. I had peace. I mean, it was stressful. I mean, the water was just nuts. And I still got these boys who were saying, we're drowning, we're going to drown, we're going to die. And I felt peace. It doesn't make any sense, Pastor. It doesn't make any sense except for Christ, right? And another wave knocked me down. And I came up for that. And I'm in the middle of this wave, this thought comes to me, look for a dirty wave. And I, I was like, what is that? Look for a, It doesn't make any sense at all. Look for a dirty wave. What's that supposed to do? Is that supposed to be something to help God? That really doesn't feel helpful to me. I mean, I'm a little bit anxious, but peaceful, but anxious, but peaceful, but anxious. And I said, that doesn't make any sense. And all of a sudden, the, the thought, it, it came. It made sense, Dave. It was like, you know what? There's all this clear water, the dirty water is where stuff's getting churned up because it's more shallow. And I looked, and there's nothing, and there's nothing, and there's nothing. And here, about 22, maybe 20 few, 25 yards away, there was some dirty water. And I said, I turned to the guys, and I said, come on, guys, let's go. And they're like, what? So said, let's go for the dirty water. We know a lot, of, a lot of dirty water in Haiti. We know about cholera and all kinds of dirty water. We don't typically get excited about dirty water in Haiti, but I got excited about dirty water. And I swam, and I kept trying to encourage these guys along, and I'm nudging them along, and I finally realized, you know what, I've got to take just a little, a little effort out there, get a little bit out, out there for them, so I can find where it's secure. And so I swam, I was maybe like six or seven, maybe eight yards away from them, and I got to where it was dirty water, and I, I reached down, and do you know what I touched Touch sand. It was probably really, really dirty sand, and I don't care. It was sand. And I stood up, and I wheeled around, and I said to the guys, guys, come here, it's safe. Where I'm standing, it's safe. You'll be fine. Come here, and I'm yelling and screaming. And all of a sudden, these guys, these four guys whose lights had pretty much gone out, all of a sudden, their eyes are bright again, and they're like flapping around, and they, they make it over to where I am, and we stand up, and we're hugging and rejoicing. But you know what? We weren't content with that. It was good because it was safe, but we... There was something in us that said, get all the way out of the water. And so we're hugging and talking and stuff, and we get out of the dirty wave, and it's, we get to more shallow water, but we got up to about here, and that's not good enough. We got up to here, and said not good enough. We got up to our ankles, it's still not good enough. We got all the way out of the water, and then we were safe. And one of the guys whose name was Christian, who was not a Christian, gave his life to the Lord that day. He said, God gave me back my life. It's so beautiful. I went past the four. Yeah, I did that again. <laughs> Sorry. I get so excited about God. We processed for like the next day what had happened out there. And to this day, I have no idea what created that kind of chaos in the water. What I know is this. God wanted me to write one more blank check. The next day as we were talking, and God had been talking to me, and I was trying to figure out exactly what he's saying. The next day as we were talking, we we're just talking about what, what happened, and all of a sudden it just came it just came crystal clear to me. God said, You know what? It's all bonus time. I was like, What? It's all bonus time. I'm like, I don't quite get that. God said, No, you know how it is. From here on out it 's all bonus time, and I have grabbed onto that, Edgar. I have grabbed onto that, and I have decided that from that point till the day I go to heaven, and that 'll be what is that double bonus or what is that from the day from now from that point until the day I go to heaven, the moment I go to heaven it 's all bonus time it 's all time that God has given me to invest in people, to love on people, to share the love of Jesus Christ with them, and, and explain to them what it means to live a life of faith as I'm figuring it out myself, Pastor. Now, I know that there's a lot of us here, and I don't know how many of us have had a, a near death or maybe we could call it a near new life experience. A lot of us haven't. Up until that point in time, I never had. But here's what I believe. I believe that God's call in each of our lives from the moment of salvation is this. It's all bonus time. It's all the time that God has ordained for us to do exactly what he has called us to do. It's all time for us to say, God, I want to explore faith in you. I want to live in such a way that as I hear your spirit leading me and guiding me and directing me, that I, can, I will move faithfully in that direction. That I would have a faith like Peter's that says, I see the Lord and I'm going for him. It doesn't say I see the circumstances and those circumstances cause me to sink and to feel failure, but to say I see the Lord and that is my focal point. You see, blank check living isn't just for some. It's for me. It's for you. It's for each of us. God gives each of us daily this opportunity to say, you know, God, I don't know what this day looks like. I don't know what this experience looks like. I don't know what's coming on with this, but I just want you to know this. I trust you entirely. Whatever you say, I'm going to do that. Wherever you tell me to go, I'm going to go there. Whatever your call is on my life for these days, for these moments, I'm going to be about that. And I want to encourage you, as your brother in Christ, to live lives that are blank checks to God. Not one of us here, I don't believe, would write a check to another person, a blank check. Trevor, would you do that for me? Would you really? Dude, let's talk after church. (laughs) But each one of us, each one of us can write a blank check to God. Often, frequently, daily with our lives. God bless you.